Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is February the 8th, 2021, and I am here, we are here, here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church uh, to discuss uh, the Sunday message together. I'm here with uh, all my brothers in Christ, all the pastors here at Rosa Sharon. Uh, I'm Jonathan Hendricks, I'm the associate pastor here. Um, I'm joined with Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and then Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. He uh, Jeff, you you uh, covered Philippians, which is actually my very favorite book in the Bible. I, I love Philippians. Um, I just think there's so much good stuff here in Philippians. But in particular, what we what you looked at was the prayer that Paul prays uh, in Philippians there in chapter one and picking up in verse um, uh, just nine through eleven. And I'm going to go ahead and read that. You know, I kind of set the stage here. Um, this is part of a larger thing where he's talking about prayer, but he says specifically, and I pray this. And then he says, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so... There really are like five kind of sections to this, and and, and you know, <laughs> good good Baptist rule of thumb is three point sermon, and and I think yesterday was a five point, but there's no way to get around that. So. Well, yeah, I didn't do the <laughs> explanation, application, illustration for all all the points. It was mainly it was just purely purely application. Yes. Yeah, it is, and and, and I, I like that a little for, bit of explanation too. But you know, I really like I like this passage and I like this text for this group um, because. One of the things we aim to do with this podcast is to kind of help take the Sunday message and show you where that's going to hit at home, right? Where where does this apply at home? And uh, to help you find application, uh, you know, in the current culture, in the current circumstances, those kinds of things. But this is all really very uh, application heavy. Not that the gospel is not there. Well, clearly it is. And I think you even brought that out yesterday. Um but uh, when we're reading through this, we're going to see that it's very much sort of five points of, of application. And so let's just launch into it and talk about that. So the, the, the first part of this is I pray that your love will keep on growing um, or your love will abound uh, or your love will overflow. I'm trying to remember all the different translations there that, that, um, that are covered. But basically that you're... Um, that your love will 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 increase, right? That you, that's that he's praying that that other people's love will increase, and I think, and we'll see this as we go along, that I think uh, Jeremiah, this sets the foundation for this prayer, um, and I think there's a reason why it comes first. In fact, I'm reminded of what um, what Paul says. Uh, um, the, in Timothy, when he's taught, or I'm sorry, what Peter says, I said Paul, what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15, when he says, set apart Christ, and you know, the idea is that start with a good foundation before you try and go and do these other things in service. So like in the 1 Peter 3.15 passage, it's set apart um, Christ so that, um, and, and be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you uh, for, the hope that's within you. for the hope that's within you, right. And, but the, and then do so with gentleness and respect. But it's always like love seems to be a, a key foundation to everything. And I think there's no doubt that there's, there's a foundational 
motive here for, for bringing up love to begin with. Yeah, I think Paul does the same thing, and Jeff mentioned this in the sermon uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 on the, the love chapter. You know, the love is patient, love is kind chapter, uh, where it talks about how, uh, look, you, you could be super smart, you could speak elegantly and say all the right things, but if you don't have love, then it's you're basically just a... Uh, a gong. A gong, or just throwing in, in, any annoying sound that no one wants to hear. Uh, they're not listening to you because you don't have love. And I like the like the language in, in Philippians talking about like this love that abounds, or I think maybe some translations might say uh, love that is contagious or love that overflows uh, to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so like putting it in pandemic terms, like you have a disease and you're giving it to others, like it overflows yeah. and it's contagious. Spiral love. Yeah, yeah, it's viral. Viral love. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then. With that love, then you can uh, be able to speak to others. And I think you're right. It's foundational uh, to to this whole prayer here. Right. Well, I think it's important when we're talking about this, though, because if you're outside of the of the of church, if you're outside of sort of the circle of uh, of um, you know just even religious circle, right? If you're outside of that, and we talk about how I pray that you overflow with love. We have a culture that celebrates love all the time, right? We have we have a culture that talks about that puts love wins bumper stickers on their on their on their cars and stuff. And it's important that we define what we mean by love overflowing here. Uh, you know, you know what I'm saying, Blake? I mean, it's like oh, yeah. it's really important that we actually define what kind of love we're talking about. Yeah, because like you said, there are so many definitions. Because you do have like the love wins bumper stickers, the What's kind of makes them look like the coexist where you love like all people from all religions, which is good and whatnot. Yeah, you should do that. But the bottom line is a part of love is truth. And in a lot of times those scenarios, you don't have the truth part. Mm-hmm. You just have this, we'll just accept anything and your truth can be your own truth. And that's not, that's not biblical love. Mm-hmm. Biblical love is rooted out of God and based on his principles, which involves truth and love and grace, obviously. But I think you have to look at the context of, uh, um, of God in this because God, we would say as Christians that God is love because that's his, like it, it's his nature. Mm-hmm. But a part of his nature is truth and love too. Right. So I think, I think the way you put it yesterday, Jeff, and I'll let you talk about this, but like it's, it's that sort of agape love. Yeah, but again, that's the word you don't that he uses here, that, that, that agape is. love will right. overflow. And, of course, agape love is the word that was created to explain what Christ did for us. His, mm. his selfless, sacrificial, atoning, like we didn't deserve any of this, but he was willing to still do it for us. And so that's the kind of love he's saying, I want to overflow in your life. Right. This sacrificial love that benefits others. It's not because most of the time when we let, talk about love, there's there's kind of a give and take. Like I'm going to love you, but I expect to get some love back in return. But this is just saying, hey, I want. Uh, we're just going to love you like like we do with our light show. Um, you know, a lot of people had a couldn't understand why we would just do the light show and say, hey, look, the community, you come. And we're like, this is a gift to you. This is something we're doing out of love. Right. It wasn't any strings attached. And that's the kind of love that, that the Bible talks about when it talks about agape love. That it's when Jesus came and died, I mean, 
the overwhelming majority of people rejected him. His yeah. own people rejected him. So it wasn't he wasn't looking for us to reciprocate. It was I'm giving this as a demonstration of love. So that's right. that's the kind of love that he's talking about love for God, but love for one another, and then even love into the community. So when you say God is a God of love, yes, agape love. Mm-hmm. Because so many people say God is a God of love, which then means I love you regardless, and I can't confront you. Yeah. Which is kind of the second point we get into when you use discernment, knowledge, and all. Yeah, that, and, that, and that, that, that's a good point. I actually, that's a good segue, because one of the questions I was going to ask as we're talking about love here is the thing that I keep seeing. If you get on Facebook and you, talk, and you just talk to people, like, well, isn't the Bible all about love? The Bible tells you it's all about love, you know, and you're like, well, it is, it is about love, but we've got to be careful how we determine how we how we define that love, right? We, um, it, it is a book about love, but because what what when they say that, man, what I think what they're trying to say is you shouldn't look, you shouldn't judge, right? You shouldn't you shouldn't call out wrong, you. It's not. You should be accepting of everybody and every lifestyle and every life choice, and you should be. It, so they 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 sort of conflate um, this idea of love with with a uh, not even tolerance. I don't want to say it's tolerance. It's acceptance. Mm-hmm. Total acceptance. Total acceptance of of the validity or the truth, the truthfulness of of their of their particular lifestyle. And that's not what the Bible says. And in fact, I, that leads into that second point, right? Because Paul doesn't just say, I pray that you grow or that your love will keep on growing, but that your love will keep on growing. This translation, I like this because it says, your love will grow in knowledge and every kind of discernment. So now, Jeremiah, we're going to marry love with this idea of knowledge and discernment. And what difference does that make then with, with the love that we're talking about? Yeah, this is, uh, so like if we're going to say that Jesus was the embodiment of love, we want to look at his examples of how he loved people. And uh, there's clear examples from the Gospels of Jesus not accepting people's behavior or morality or those. uh, And and one of the main people or groups of people that he... uh, was kind of would rebuke. I mean, straight up rebuke. Oh, yeah. would, would be the religious leaders. We call them vipers. Yeah, <laughs> vipers, whitewashed tombs. Right. Um, so very. Just saying those words don't mean much, but when you actually think about what he's saying there, uh, he's saying some harsh things. He's, he's rebuking their their behavior and their attitude and what they they're teaching others, uh, and so it's that whole adage, right? Like of. Um, true love actually shows people where their sin lies, right? And it's hard because you don't want to be the judgmental one that's just ramming it down someone's throat. But if you really, really love someone, you can't ignore what God is trying to show them. So so in, in light of that, let's talk about this a little bit. And Blake, you can chime in on this if you want to. I'm, I'm going to kind of address this to both of you guys over here. We can talk about this too. But I, I hear what you're saying, and what I want to ask is Paul, is, Paul is clearly writing this letter to the church, right? So knowledge and discernment, and, and actually I'll go on and say so that you can determine what really matters. That's also part of this. 
Um, and you just mentioned that if you really love somebody, you can call you 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 call out their their sin. You call you call it out. Does that is that supposed to be just for those that are within the church? Like we hold each other accountable because we live we live in a very private culture now, right? And I and, and if I go around just pointing at people, all kinds of people, just to point to them and tell them their sin, then they're going to bring up the whole plank in the eye thing, right? And yeah. and in fact, I think I'll turn more people off to the gospel than I'll turn on to the gospel. And yet, there's people who say, "Well, that's what you've got to do because the gospel is an offensive gospel. It just it, it just is offensive. So you have to go be offensive with it." And I think there's I, I think there's some nuance there, but I'll, I'll let you guys expound on that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, go ahead. Right. Um, yeah, I think with unbelievers, I think you have to keep the, I guess, the sin topic a little generic. Like you can't yeah. you can't deny you can't not talk about sin. Like you have to talk about sin. You right. Can't I mean, you talk can't, about repentance, but you can't talk about repentance without talking about right. Sin, but right? you can't. Yeah. You don't need to go to them with a bullet point of sins you've analyzed. They did with <laughs> in the last three. Hours, you know, <laughs> something got, like. I've got this report yeah. I need to show you here. <laughs> Let me show you. I, I saw that you did this. This is wrong. <laughs> yeah, but you know, keeping it simple, like uh, there's none righteous, no, not one, and just mm-hmm. really uh, talking about that separation. Sure. Um, really talking about that separation and the brokenness. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, talk about sin, but talk about the brokenness too, because then you get to they start to really feel what you're talking about. They're not just hearing it, but they can experience the brokenness. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you really need to turn it into like a rescue story. Like there's, like you know, we can't help ourselves. That's the thing about the gospel. We can't help ourselves. Right. Um, and then talk about how Jesus came and rescued. But with believers, uh, accountability is accountability is key. Right. I mean, I think of somebody I know, you know, when he was with a body of believers, he was on fire for the Lord, was absolutely, you know, doing counseling sessions with people, just trying to fulfill the Great Commission just in his circle of influence. Mm-hmm. Slowly gets away from the church mm-hmm. and outside that body believers and now he's gone through a divorce uh now gone through a divorce, uh, definitely not in church, definitely not living a gospel centered life, cheated on his wife, uh, mm. things like that. So, mm. um, I hate to use such an extreme example, but you see how, you know, if you stay in that accountability group, you stay within that group of believers, mm-hmm. you have that accountability because sure. we have to sustain each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I'm in sin, I would expect any of these three pastors to say, hey, you know, what are you doing? Right. And, <laughs> you know? and that kind of gets to what I was, you know, I know you were going to talk about this a little bit, Jeremiah, so I'll bounce back to you. Um, so you don't want to bring a sin report to, to an unbeliever. Do you want to bring a sin report to a believer? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say a report like like I'm watching you for the last day and this is what I see, but uh, there are a different set of rules for those who claim to be Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And that's what the church is, right? We're a body of Christians who have chosen to commune together and to covenant together. Sure. Um, so when when you claim to be a Christian, you're claiming that Lord that Jesus is the Lord of your life, right? And you're also claiming that I, w- what He says goes. Um, that's what being Lord is like. He's the master. He's the King. And so yeah, I think I think we have 
the right, if that's a thing, to uh, to bring about certain sins into each individual Christian's life, as long as we do it in a loving, uh, respectful manner. And that shouldn't be like the topic of every one of your conversations. So if, if you haven't talked to someone in the church in over a month, I don't think you're the one who should go and confront them about their sin. Because then every time you talk to this individual, it, they're just going to assume that you're coming to confront them with sin again. I think it's just a natural part of relationships. Right. Because, because I love them, <clears throat> I see this like blind spot. And, and just to be completely honest, I want people to do this for me or to me. I and I think that should be the attitude of most yeah. Christians. I want people to come to me and say, look, you've got a blind spot here, or you're treating this person with less respect, or uh, I noticed you said this to your wife, maybe you probably shouldn't say it like that, or mm-hmm. just anything like that, or you you did the, uh, you, you said this to your child, but to my child, you said this. Like, I want people to show me blind spots and show me where where I'm falling short and just do it in a loving manner. I may not like it in the moment, but I promise I'll respect you after. Yeah, I like I like what you said there because in relationships it goes both ways, right? Yeah. So if you're gonna go and start trying to like, you can't be, uh, you know, like um, I'm gonna use a bad term here. You can't be like a Karen, right? And go around like pointing out everybody's <laughs> everybody's. Uh, <laughs> everybody's wrongs and then not and then get upset when they point out yours right yeah, you yeah. can't you can't do that and I don't think that's what it's saying to do here um, but Jeff I think that that there's some so that's at least in this translation yeah. mm-hmm. that 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 in the text that tell me that this is why you do these things so I'm praying that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters, and then we'll get into this next one, and can be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying that your love is going to grow in knowledge and every kind of wisdom, because there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. We didn't really talk about that, but the difference between knowledge and wisdom, the difference between acquiring information and knowing how to accurate or how to correctly apply the information you've acquired, right? It's wisdom. Godly wisdom is taking information that we receive from God's Word and be able to apply that to our lives. So I'm praying that you will grow in these kinds of ways so that you can know what really matters mm-hmm. and be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. So how does me growing in knowledge and wisdom and in love help me determine what really matters and be pure and blameless, leave this life of integrity? Well, so if you take if you take like the church, and let's use an example, you got mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Let's say mom is the the rule maker, mm-hmm. and dad is the, hey, I love you, you know, you're forgiven, you can do whatever you want to. Right. Okay. So that's kind of like what's going on inside of us. So in every situation, we've got to have discernment. We got to check ourselves. Okay. I'm loving this person, so wh- why am I getting ready to talk to them about whatever the- we're having this discussion about? Mm-hmm. Or maybe even I'm being convicted of it. So. Right. And have the discernment to it so that I'm not just the bad cop all the time and I'm judging somebody because so often, you know, 
we as Baptists, we preach God's word. We preach against sin. We preach hard and we preach hell and we preach all this stuff. And like, where's the love in all that? Yeah. yeah. And, and at the same time, then if you have the one that's, you know, everything's okay. You can do whatever you want to. I'm just going to, you want, you know, you want to have a party. I'll provide all the stuff. And you, can, right. you know, so you're, you just way overboard. Yeah. And so you have the love without the knowledge and discernment. Mm-hmm. Then over here you have knowledge and discernment, but you have no love. So, so I think he's saying you've got to find that middle road where, yeah, where you're coming to talk to people, you're sharing the gospel. Maybe people are confronting you, things like that. That's fine, because what really matters, yeah, okay, in and the that, long run. Yeah. So then I think I use the illustration about coming into the next point about the sincerity and integrity, is that before I go confronting you on your sins. I better have a, a real my, my own checklist mm-hmm. because the problem is um, if I confront you and but I'm you know I have sin maybe even the same sin but I'm coming hard on you then you know what what is that accomplishing right uh, it's just causing someone to carry a burden you know because remember the love the love is greater than the law so I'm now I've got I put this burden on somebody because I'm carrying this burden and I'm giving the burden to that person to carry yeah. but but nobody's really experiencing the love yeah, yeah. and so um, that's kind of a way to look at it um, when you think about it that way of, of a like a parent situation <clears throat> you got to have both you got to have you got to have uh, you know think with your heart think with your head right that's what Paul's trying to say here and then because the Philippian church you think about it Lydia was a wealthy lady. She was one of the founders. Mm-hmm. You had a a, a, a girl that was um, in a demon-possessed, that was a fortune teller, that Paul cast the demons out, and she became a believer, and that caused the riot because you know they lost their right. livelihood. Yep. And then you have a, a, a Philippian jailer who was probably an ex-military guy that gets saved. So that was the nucleus of that church there. Mm-hmm. Three different kind of people from three different kind of situations right and so the Philippian jailer was probably you know reaching people like him and plus you have the the, the people in the jail that got saved too so you, so you got all these different people coming together well how's this going to work now mm-hmm. and so it's just like us too you know I can't just go knock on your door and like okay Jonathan come to talk to you about your sins mm-hmm. which but but me and you did the history of Rosa Sharon, and that's the way they used to do it. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. have a business meeting, like, well, so and so saw them drinking beer at the service station, or you know, they told a lie, or Joe cussed it, and <laughs> we're here to talk to you about your sin. Right. So I don't think it's meant to be that way, yeah. because then it becomes legalism and judgmentalism. So I think Paul's just trying to say, in the way you work out everything, you have to be sincere, so that when the light is brought out. And it's shining. Yeah. Your imperfections and your sins, you have to be honest with people. Yeah. And so if we go to people we and they think that we're perfect and we've got it all together and we're trying to present a gospel where they've got to be perfect or be like us, right. then we're failing. Yeah. I think I think I think uh when <laughs> I, I like that bring it out into the sunlight thing and talked about it with uh I think you used American Pickers mm-hmm. as an example where where let's bring it out in the sun. Because when you bring it out in the sunlight then the sun is the one that points out, and both of us can see the imperfections, right? Yes. It's not me pointing out the imperfections of this. Now, if we bring it out in the sunlight, we can see the imperfections that are just obvious for both of us. And, and how much better would it be for us if, you know, you were talking about point, you know, when we, we do need to hold each other accountable. But as we do so, 
how much better would it be, like you said, if I'm if I see something in your life that's also that I have in my life, how much better is it to go, hey man, I see you struggling with this, and the reason why I see you struggling with this because I'm struggling with it too, and instead of just calling the guy out and going, you're doing wrong, you know, coming and saying, we both need to get our lives straight on this mm-hmm. matter, right? Man, how much more how much more powerful is it to come to somebody and say, look, I want to help you get straight, but I need you to help me get straight too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it doesn't become this um I'm gonna make you my project. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put some some you know some jewels in my own crown by calling you out and calling and seeing how many people I can call out. It doesn't become that. Even even with those guys who are going to knock on the doors, I have to imagine that the guy who's knocking on the door knows that somebody could come knock on his door too. Oh yeah. And you know that he um or if he doesn't, he needed to know that. <laughs> so so I want to go back to one other thing that we said in Jeremiah. I know this 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 is big for you, and so it's it's one of the reasons why I'll come back to it. Um, I was talking to Jeff there that that he says I want to I want you your love to keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you can determine what really matters. Yeah. Um, and the question I would have is, okay, Paul, what what does really matter? What 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 are you talking about here? What do you think Paul means when he says what really matters? Yeah, I think uh, it's just getting, us keeping the main thing the main thing, right? And he explains it in the next two points, really, is that it's really Jesus that's working in all of us. Mm-hmm. And not just, you don't just stop there, that Jesus works within all of us. But what really matters is not whether I'm more pure after we've had a conversation, but whether God is being glorified mm. after we've met or had this sin conversation and, and we're more loving people. So when you go out even into the world, so that's that's true when you're dealing with things in the church, but also when you're in the world, what really matters is who's getting the glory and whether or not you believe it's Jesus working inside of you to bring about the glory of God. So should I, like, in, in all, you bring up, because for, for us as pastors, it's, you know, it's easy to find, okay, what really matters, you know, in this moment is bring glory to God, right? I mean, and, and we do that sort of because the nature of the work that we do is is in the Bible, is in ministry, is in doing, what about the person who works an office job, right? They're just, at they, they or they, you know, or they have a blue collar job where they're going and crawling under houses and fixing leaks and things like that, right? They're the handyman or they're doing construction or something like that. Like, are they, are, you know, how do they determine? Like, should should they be asking that question? What really matters in this moment, and 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 coming to those same conclusions? Like, how how does that work? Like, how do I how do I um, how do I take these same principles? And apply it to a job that's not a ministry job. Yeah, it's easy to do it with a ministry job, right? What really matters? Oh, okay. Well, that you know. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe the best answer I could just say is is if in your conversations with your coworkers, if they leave your presence with a lesser view of God, you've done it wrong. But if they leave okay. your conversation with they may not agree with you and may not accept Jesus or or become a Christian, but I think they could still leave your conversation at least knowing that, man, that person really 
believes in God. Like, his God, his, I hate to say it like this because God is God, but his God must be great. Like, and so just try to have those conversations where, where rather than them leaving angry and not liking your God because of how you treated them, but at least at least knowing more about God and hopefully having a, a more positive view of who God is after that conversation. Yeah, I think one of the worst things you can ever do is is have uh, like if your if if your work allows it to have have a Bible on your desk or have some sort of Christian paraphernalia, you know, like you know, um, God's my co-pilot or something like that on on a yeah. on a little embroidery frame embroidery thing on your desk, and then just ream out somebody over just trivial matters and be known as somebody who's contentious, that's awful. Because it, cause, cause then you're sending, I think you're sending two different signals out. Yeah. And I mean, it, whether you like it or not, you are God's ambassador. Mm, mm-hmm. You are his representative. Um, and you can say that about your family too. You're always... It's not really your choice, but you're always a representative of of your family. It's just like all believers of this church are all, all representatives of Rosa Sharon. But most importantly, we are Christians, which means we are God's representatives to the world. And so when they see you, they they get a picture of who, who God is. And, and who the church is. Who the church is, yeah. yeah. And... and I don't want to discourage you from from doing the Christian paraphernalia or wearing the Christian badge, but you can't you can't. I've heard some some Christians say this. I I left my Christianity on the shelf today or whatever. We just don't get that privilege. We we don't yeah. get to do that um, because as God's representatives, you're always God's representative, and people are always looking at you to to stumble or to fall or to. Or the opposite, they 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 see something in you and they want it. So, it's just yeah. And so that gets back to like the 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 next part of that, which is being well, living that life of integrity, Jeff. Like well, I'm I'm living a life that that you you know uh, pure, that's pure and blameless in the day of Christ, but also a life that's filled with the fruit of righteousness um, that comes through Jesus Christ. I think that's important too. Like, where is this righteousness going to come from? Where is this fruit of righteousness sourced in? Well, it's sourced in Jesus, oh, right? Absolutely, and I think Jeff did a great job cross-referencing the Scripture where Jesus says that I'm the vine and you're the branches. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm telling we cannot we cannot produce fruit if we are not connected to that main vine, and that's Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think he did a great job cross-referencing that yesterday. And that righteousness... Um, you know, God's chosen to use men to be his assets and to be his ambassadors. Mm-hmm. And Men have, and women. You mean yeah, men and women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men and women. <laughs> Lest somebody hears that and goes, Blake said, Blake said women ain't, ain't supposed to do that. Yes, thank you, thank you for covering me right there. Men and women. I, boys and girls, too, since I'm a church there you pastor. Go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we have to, we absolutely have to remain in that uh, vine because... When we remain in Him, we're going to outpour a lot of the kind of like that overflowing love. We stay in Him, yeah. we're going to overflow with that. Yeah, I actually used to have a. Um, I, I I got it because I was at a, a, a. I can't remember some event, some preaching event or something. It was, I think it was a service, 
and the the person who brought the message brought a message about the vine and the branches and uh, they had in the back a big bucket full of um, grape vines that had been that had been cut off and they were just dead pieces of vine and I used to have on my on my shelf in, in college I, I had that piece of vine there and I put it where I would see it just as a reminder that that's what I am if I'm not in Jesus. That's what I am if I'm not if I'm not if I'm not in Christ. Then that's what happens. I'm, I'm you know I can't produce I can't produce fruit. And man, I like what you said, Jeff, too, because I think a lot of people go, okay, um, fruit of righteousness. All right, which one of these am I going to pick? Um, well, I I have I have um, I have peace and I have joy, but man, I don't have no patience. And you know, I guess I guess I don't get that fruit. Um, you know, I've got, I've got peace and, uh, and, and, and joy, but I, I don't have gentleness. I don't have to be gentle. I guess the Holy Spirit didn't give me that fruit. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not a you pick and choose kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, he pours them all out abundantly, but whether we uh, actually utilize them or not. Right, it's the difference, and so because I think some people think fruits of righteousness are like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they're not. Right? No, no, no. This because I mean Paul in Ephesians, you know, he he kind of had a shorter version of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, but uh, so so um, so they're so they're available, but whether or not they're evident in my life, but at the same time, I, me, Jeff, can use my fruit of the Spirit list to say, man. I don't have any patience, and I've got to do something about that. Lord, forgive me, and then go to the person I was impatient with. Say, look, I'm sorry for for being impatient with you, mm. but not for me to go and say, Hey, Blake, you weren't patient with me. You're not living the fruit of the spirit. No, so then I'm, you know, that's not the way it works. It's for right. for us to examine our own hearts and lives. Now we can see it evident in people's lives and all. And um, you know, Jeremiah was talking about making Jesus attractive, and that's kind of what the message said, that making Jesus attractive to all. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the goal of the fruit of the Spirit is, not to bring bring it, bring it attention to myself. Yeah, look but at to me, say, look how much fruit I yeah, have. <laughs> but to say, the fruit is available, it's, it's there to share, it's there to pour out, it's there to give away, it's not to hoard and keep, because then, you know, then you just got a, a bucket full of rotten fruit, and who wants that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not there for us to hoard and have this big bucket. It's for us to share, and so you know, it's it's moving us from from ourselves out back into the world. And so, okay, if I'm living that way in my workplace, and I'm being honest with people, and if I do lose my patience as a you know a bus driver or whatever it is job I have, and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to do that. Then mm-hmm. people are going to see that, right? And they're going to say, "Hey, but that was nice that they said that." Uh, but if he, you know, he loses my patience, then the next day the person gets on the bus and, "Oh, by the way, I want to invite you to my church." Mm-hmm. Well, you lost your patience with me yesterday. Why would I want to go to your church? Right. But if I, but if he, but if he lost his patience, said, "Look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that," and then two or three days later, say, "Hey, you know, I know I lost my patience the other day, but..." I'd love to invite you to my church. Then that person may be open to that. Yeah, yeah. You see, that's that's the way it works. We can't be that that um, you know that that pot with the hole with the wax in it. You know, yeah. Like Paul's yeah, talking about it. it's our lives that we're examining. We're not really examining other people's lives. And so, as we present ourselves, then they should see uh, the things that are evident in my life. Right. And we've got to be. I mean, I know people put preachers on a pedestal, and people put Christians. 
on a pedestal or people that claim to be and we put them in these categories and we put them and even like the the the, the people in the uh, Bible you know the Bible characters we put them in these areas that we make it so attainable like there's these super Christian people they're not we're not oh, no, we no, are not no, no. no if you've tuned in at all to the character study we've been doing yeah. on Wednesday nights I don't think there's been a character yet Jeremiah that hasn't had some kind of flaw but people do that though <laughs> and people do that in, in our culture we live in and they go oh you're supposed to be this Christian this goody two shoes mm-hmm. but yet you know so they're they're using us as the measuring rod when, when really it should be Christ that hey here's yeah, Christ here's the measuring rod I don't measure up but come along with me as we both walk with Christ right because so, he'll take us in and so I think that's why it's so important that that he says they're filled with the fruit of righteousness in Christ yes. right so that that whatever fruit I do have it's not because it's in Jonathan. It's because Jonathan is planted in Christ. And as a result of Jonathan being planted in Christ, he's going to have these, these things that are going to be abundant in him. And in fact, if people then, Jeremiah, see me and they, they see those different things that, that stands out from, from the crowd, they see these things, these, these characteristics that are not found in just everybody else. That, and they say, well, why do you treat people that way when they treat you so poorly? Why are you so patient when... Everybody else is impatient. Why? Why do you go out of your way to, to make that person feel special when you know nobody else does? Or those kinds of. Why do you love me even though I even though I've been mean to you? Um, then I look and say, well, the reason why is because I'm I'm a Christian. I'm I, I'm you know it's nothing to do with me. I, it's it's everything to do with him. And and it gives us that opportunity, right? Um, so and then if I'm not acting that way, I could go well. The reason why I'm not acting that way is because. I'm not. I've not really been in Christ this week, and if I had been, and I would have maybe maybe treated people better than, than I have. So yes, I think I think that's part of it. Um, then the last part, and you've already touched on this, is is to do it all. Paul, 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 Paul puts the end. The end. He puts the goal at the end of the thing, right? For the glory and the praise of God, and you know that that's that's it, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the reason why we do this is is for is to is for the uh, to the glory and praise of God, and and so everything we do then becomes becomes for that reason, and um, and you you know you already touched on it, Jeremiah. We've kind of touched on that as a group here too. So a really great thing. Here's what I want to close on is. Um, I really like what you said yesterday because I think um, I think this is a good starting spot for people to pray. Um, I would love it if somebody prayed this prayer. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I, I want someone to pray that that Jonathan would do these things because sometimes, quite frankly, I forget to pray this stuff for myself, um, and and uh, um, I, I just think that that's. This is not a prayer that uh, uh, that's just a selfish prayer. I mean, you can pray this for yourself, obviously. Pray that you would grow in love, knowledge, and discernment. That you know what really matters. That you live your life with, uh, with you know, live a pure and blameless life till the day of Christ. That you be filled with the fruit of righteousness in Christ, so that you can bring glory and praise to God. I mean, who you, wouldn't want that prayer? Right. I mean, if you're if you're praying that, and you sincerely mean it. Now, look, I. I think there's a caveat here. I think some people think prayer is like a magic incantation that 
I've got to say the words and I've got to say them in the right order and the right way or the prayer doesn't work, right? Yeah. But, it, 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 you know, people do that with the, prayer, with the salvation yeah. prayer all the time. I'm like, well, no, it's not, it's not the words that you right. say. It's the heart behind those words. And so if you, um, maybe you don't remember everything. You can't remember all this. Even if you can't, you can go to Philippians and just pray the scripture right out. Mm-hmm. But when you pray, don't just say the words, right? Mean it. Mean it. Meditate on it. I, I think there's, I, Jeremiah, I think there's a, um, a lost art of meditation as a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, one of the things, and I've shared this with you guys, that I, um, this prayer means a lot to me because there was a time in my life, I've not done it recently, so this is like, there was a time in my life where I sat out to memorize this book, Philippians. And um, in so doing, uh, my, my, my method of memorization was repetition. So I would memorize verse 1, repeat verse 1, then I'd add verse 2 to it. Then I'd, then I'd repeat 1 and 2. Then I'd add verse 3. Then I'd go 1, 2, and 3. So by the time I'm, I'm up to verse you know 11 here, I've done all those other verses like a ton, right? So the, the upshot of all that is that when you memorize that way, you begin to really think about what it is that you're saying, mm-hmm. right? Or what it is that the Bible is saying here as you're repeating it. And it takes on fresh meaning. It takes on a deeper meaning. And I think that's what the Bible means when it talks about meditating on Scripture. Really meditating and, and taking some time and thinking through what does it mean to ask for God to help you overflow with love, right? Um, what does it mean that you would you, know, you grow in knowledge and discernment so that you know what really matters? Um, you know, do what we just did over the last forty minutes. Do for yourself. Do for someone else. Um, pray that for someone else. Discuss this with someone else. And um, man, I think that's a great. Uh, there will be a like you said. Maybe you stumbled in your New Year's resolution. This is a great way to kind of get yourself realigned. And, uh, and and pray more. So well, and if their resolution was, I want to pray more. Well, what does that mean? Right. So this will give them a good a good little outline. Then okay, well, just pray this prayer to begin with. Kind of make it your own, or pray it for someone else in your prayer life, and then eventually you're going to find other prayers, and it's going to it's going to help you to grow and abound and have discernment and all that other stuff. So yep. that was the whole uh, point of it anyway. Yep. Well, um, listen, Paul starts this whole thing, uh, this whole section off saying, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And for all of us here as pastoral staff, that's our prayer for you. We do thank each one of you guys for joining us here each week, for being a part of the ministry we're doing here at Rosa Sharon, for partnering with us in the gospel. And we're so very thankful that we have an opportunity to uh, to be your ministers. And so thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back here next week. Um, I'm not sure we're not starting our new sermon series. No, so we'll- that made the following week. So I think this week I'm going to talk about Acts chapter 13, 1 through 5. Um, 
and it's, it's going you'll just have to tune in to see why I picked this one but um, it's about uh, the book at the uh, Church of Antioch and something happened over the summer that got me interested in this particular passage so. all right sounds mm-hmm. sounds mysterious and intriguing uh, I, I'm definitely going to be uh, here so I hope you will be too all right guys thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time so long.